everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Danny. And my name is Giacomo. And this is our 20th episode. We made it. I feel like we need to apologize for basically being the worst podcast of all time but in order to do that we would have to be podcasting which we haven't for oh i don't know how a long month, probably yeah it's a good thing that we try to do this bi-weekly but you know we've been really busy uh, we should put bi-weekly in quotes i think <laughs> like every bi-weekly yeah, it kind of reminds me of like i don't know if you've ever seen the bro science life youtube channel with dom mazzetti it's just <laughs> What it used to be like new videos every Friday and now it's like new videos when I can. <laughs> or like yeah, or new videos when I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well it's not when we feel like it because we do want to get these out more regularly. It's just we have been Whoa, things have been crazy, Giacomo. What's been going on? Well, major life changes for one. We got eloped. Do you get eloped or do you just elope? You don't get eloped. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I never thought about it. We eloped, basically. Woo! So we uh, got married on October 3rd at Winslow yeah. Farm Animal Sanctuary in Norton, Mass. And we had been planning it for probably about a month or so. I would say we planned the whole thing in about maybe five weeks and just kept everything super, super hush-hush because... It, that's what an elopement is and we just invited our immediate families so there was like 12 people there total and it was really cool to have the ceremony at a farm sanctuary it was kind of everything that i imagined it would be i mean aside from the fact that we were admit- in the middle of a hurricane outside of hurricane season and it was frigid cold it didn't rain so that was good it didn't rain no it didn't rain but it was very 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 cold but it was an awesome day and we got to show the animals to our families and, you know, the money we paid for the quote-unquote venue went instead to this farm sanctuary that where the animals are very, very well taken care of and it's just a beautiful place and it was it was really, really awesome and I'm so not the type of girl who's like, oh my god, I got married, but it was actually a lot cooler than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, it was really nice. I actually... As excited I, as I was to get married and felt that it would was the right thing and the right move right now, I didn't think that I would feel any different afterwards. Yeah, I mean, we've been together for over seven years, and we've been engaged for like three and a half of those seven years. I mean, what does it really change? It just basically puts a title on your relationship, but your relationship is actually what is the bond that keeps you together that you've been growing after all these years. So now all of a sudden you say, I do, and things change. How, how, but no, I mean, it, I think just being able to take the time to honor your love for one another and share that with others. Oh my God, you're so cheesy. What? I, you know that I'm a hopeless romantic. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm a sap, whatever. Point of the matter is that it feels really nice. It feels like we just reignited the spark all over again, like it was day one. Oh, gross. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, that. That took a lot of planning and a lot of time and energy, even for a small wedding. Like, kudos to those of you who have real weddings, because I don't know how on earth 
people are able to pull that shit off because this was intense enough for me. Yeah, I'll say. Um, but then we went away on our honeymoon, which we actually went up to Maine. Giacomo had pretty much never been to Maine in his adult life. So we went up there, this little coastal town, and we stayed at a bed and breakfast in Camden, Maine called the Windward House. And it's this really nice couple that owns this house. And the reason we chose it is because they were one of the only bed and breakfasts that I could find on this side of the country that actually catered to vegans. They said they had, you know, vegan options and such on their breakfast menu. And almost their whole breakfast menu was vegan. We had some of the, uh, literally some of the best breakfasts I've ever had were was on that honeymoon. Well, personally, I, I loved the breakfast at the bed and breakfast, but my favorite time of the day was cookie time because you could count on it midday every single day we were there there were different vegan cookies out for you to grab and you could have as many of them as you wanted (laughs) and And Giacomo had as many of them as he wanted didn't matter where we were in the middle of the day we could have been a half an hour away we could have been a shot Danny it's time to go we have to get back to the bed and breakfast it's cookie time it's cookie time I just think that everyone should make it a ritual to make cookies in the middle of the day and have a different one every day I can't think of a better thing but as it turned out, we assumed that since Camden, Maine had this like awesome, super vegan-friendly bed and breakfast, that it would be a pretty vegan-friendly area, but it actually really wasn't. It was super, super seafood-heavy, which makes sense. It's a coastal town in Maine, duh. So it was like lobster mm. everything. Uh, we were lucky enough to find a couple places that were able to make us vegan food, which was nice, but they but were by no means even vegetarian. Well, here's the weird thing about that is the fact that, yeah, it was not a very vegan-friendly place. However, it just so happens that what was about maybe a 30-minute drive from where we were staying was literally the best vegan restaurant that I, I can't speak for you, but that I've ever been to. No, same. It was the best vegan food I've ever, ever, ever had, including restaurants in New York City and Portland, Oregon and Los Angeles. This was the best vegan food ever. The restaurant is called The Gothic, and it's in Belfast, Maine, literally the middle of nowhere. And it's, like, it's this tiny little restaurant yeah. in a sort of kind of touristy, kind of grungy town, somewhere in between there. And uh, man, it was good. <laughs> it was just insanely good. Every It was like a tasting menu. Like, I couldn't understand the menu. It was like, where, where, where is this an appetizer? Is this an entree? I don't know. But all of the plates were um, meant to be shared. And just everything, the flavors were so incredibly put together. It was just mind-blowing. Like, a lot of love went into that. And we will definitely make the trip back up there at some point to go there again. Because it's crazy good if you ever get a chance if you're ever stuck in maine make the trip out to the gothic in belfast apparently they do brunch too incredible now i so much so that we had to actually look up who is the mastermind behind this because like how do we travel so much and we've never come across this chef or anything like this anywhere you know it, it blew my mind for sure and I realized when I started to look into it a little more, it's Matthew Kenny, whose restaurant that it is. And he owns a, a, a whole bunch of raw yeah, food he restaurants. He owns a lot of restaurants, but they're mm-hmm. all raw. Except this, for this one place. This is the only cooked food restaurant that he has. And geez, I'm really glad he branched out into that, you know, 
cooking stuff. <laughs> Those people. Because mm. uh, <laughs> it was really, really fantastic. So anyway, the really cool thing about the honeymoon, I mean, it was only six days or something like that. Not it was even five, by no stretch like a long honeymoon. But we turned off all of our social media completely, logged out of everything, all notifications, didn't check our email, and we just got to unplug and punch out, so to speak, for the first time ever, ever since we met. Didn't feel right. It took a couple days, actually, of getting used to, like, yeah. well, what do I do if I'm not working? I don't know. What do we do? So we slept pretty much for the whole first day. It was amazing. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually, because the first day we, we thought we had logged out of all of our accounts, and then our phone's like, no, you're still getting these notifications. And I think it took about a day just to shut off all the notifications, oh actually. That in and of itself is eye-opening. Yeah, it is. It, it was it was a really interesting learning experience, and just how refreshed we felt at the end of it really sort of taught us or reminded us or uh, whatever that it's really really important to take time away from your work just for your own for your own sanity um and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today not taking breaks for your sanity but um just you know Giacomo and I we have lived together basically since we met we work together we train together we do everything together. We are almost never apart. And a lot of people wonder, how the hell can you guys stand to be together all the time? So today's episode is going to be about, you know, mo- mostly training together, but also working together and and just how how to sort of coexist with somebody to get shit done, because that's basically what we do, so... About three years ago, we had decided to start training consistently again. And I, I don't just mean just consistently. I mean with a plan and a goal in mind and going all out. We've always trained on and off together over the years. But about three years ago, we we really wanted to dial it in, basically. And I don't know. Every time we, we'd go to the gym, we, we kind of just did our own thing or just went at different hours. I mean, we, we weren't always together att- uh, attached at the hip. At you know. that point, no. No, because I had either a part-time or full-time job at one point. And yeah, so and I you. was bartending all night. So, But three years ago, when we started to dig into doing this full-time, we wound up going to the gym every day. And it was at first, it was kind of – I think it took a while to, to get used to training with one another. Oh, yeah. We could we- – <laughs> <laughs> it was very difficult to learn how to train with each other. Um, I imagine this happens with all sorts of training partners, but specifically with a guy and a girl who have very, very, very different levels of strength, it can be really hard to find a rhythm to actually work out together and be able to actually still both accomplish your goals without being totally dragged down by the other one in some way. So that took some time to get used to. And an example of that is that, um, you know, Giacomo would always push me to go heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And like, you can do more than that. I know you can do more than that. You're not pushing yourself enough. And so I would, obviously, eventually I would get hurt. (laughs) So we had to find a way to sort of 
you know, realize when I, you know, I had different limits than he had. He obviously could go much, much heavier. But for me, that was all I could do at the time. Well, the difference also has to do with, the, like you said, the rate of change, how fast you progress intra-workout and from workout to workout and over time in general. Because a two and a half pound increase, or I guess a five pound increase, say you were adding more plates on to progress in weight, that would be a lot different for a woman compared to a man, you know, at, at any level, basically, you know, depending on, cause if you're working with a much heavier weight load, two and a half pounds is not as big of a jump as if you're working with a much lighter weight load. Right. For sense. example, um, I'm sure a lot of women listening can relate to this. If you're doing dumbbell side lateral raises with 10 pound dumbbells and you're finally like, yeah, all right. I can do this. I could probably move up in weight. Well, what do you do? The next weight up is 15 pounds. The difference between doing side lateral raises with 10 pounds and 15 pounds for a female, most females, it's going to be pretty significant. I mean, it's only five pounds, but it's also 150% of what you've been lifting. So, you know, for a guy, you know, if I was bench pressing something, I would maybe want to go up by a couple pounds when I felt comfortable with the weight I was doing, whereas, you know, a guy will go up by 10 pounds, but an extra 10 pounds for me would have been insane, you know, but it was good to have Giacomo pushing me in, in a lot of ways because, you know, there were times where I just wasn't challenging myself and I didn't know what it felt like to train really intensely. And I find this in a lot of people, you know, they think they're going beast mode, <laughs> but it's like they don't even know what that feels like yet and that's where I was I thought that I was going really really hard but I had no idea just how hard I could actually go and then in other ways Danny helped me immensely in ways that I, I could never possibly I mean I just didn't figure it out on my own I can't say that other guys would or wouldn't for me though you know I guess having an easier time getting stronger it's easier for me to continue to push push and fall into the trap where I'm not just doing cheetah reps at the last one or two or three reps of, of a 10 rep set, but I'm literally doing it for the entire exercise and cheating myself. Whereas I noticed Danny, her technique is actually spot on. And that's something that, that I guess I never really thought about because I'm like, okay, I can continue to get stronger even, even without having picture perfect form. But Danny, you know, she had it and has it dialed in. And it, it really, it has made a big difference over the years having you. At first, I got pissed off. I'm oh, like, he well, got so pissed off. I'm like, no, I want gains. It's all about <laughs> lifting the most weight in the gym, and I'm the alpha male walking around, and I need to have the strongest of everything. And it's it couldn't be the furthest thing from the Some truth. Some examples were when he would bench press, he'd load the weight up, but he'd only come about halfway down. And I'd be like, well, why why don't you just get a full range of motion going there? And he'd say, oh, well, my shoulder hurts, so I don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was working from an injury, and I didn't believe that I could rehab. But likewise, with, like, lat pull-downs, he'd, like, lean way, way back every time he'd sort of yank the weight down, for lack of a better term. And I'd say, well, why don't you just lower the – why don't you just try and stay upright? And he'd say, well, I can't stay upright. I just can't do it. And i said, why don't you just lower the weight and stay upright and do it properly? And, you know, first he'd get really pissed off, but the more and more he did it, um, the more he realized that it was much more beneficial because then he was actually hitting the muscles that he was intending to hit instead of cheating the weight down with his muscles that were already stronger and taking over. And in turn, he's grown a lot. He may not be the guy, you know, grunting up the most weight in the gym all the time, 
but by taking a step back and reworking his form and then we're then after the form was down then working the the weights back up again you know he's made significant physique and strength gains and don't get me wrong there's there's levels to this and it's all relative i mean i it's not like i was the guy swinging weights wildly no. whereas everyone was looking at me saying that idiot's going to injure himself and what the hell is, is he doing but i'm talking about little changes that can make make a big difference and by tweaking your form to make it just right and progressing slowly with how much you're you're adding as far as resistance is concerned with with your weight load it it can make so much more of a big difference like Danny said I used to just think that there are certain body parts of me that wouldn't grow because they were genetically hard to grow and that is was true to an extent but by really honing in and focusing on them and focusing on proper form i've been able to develop my body in, in ways that i didn't think i'd be able to over yeah. the past so years. i guess what we're getting at is that you know when you're finding a gym partner you, it's good to have different strengths you don't want to be training with your clone in the gym because you're not going to learn anything from each other no so, you're just going to feed off each other in, in the wrong ways and yeah. not grow so i mean everybody has something they can work on if you can find somebody who is different from you but that you get along with. You have to get along with them, obviously. And then it can be really, really beneficial to train with somebody else. Um, let's talk about spotting. Spotting each other. I think spotting, once again, it's it can be a challenge to get into a rhythm with the other person. Because you have to really know when to give them assistance and when not to. And that, that can take a little bit of time to adapt to the other person's needs. I personally... Now that Danny and I have been training together for years, I don't want anyone else to spot me. It's not that I don't think that other people are good spotters because there are excellent spotters at my gym. I and I know who they are, and I can, I can grab them in a pinch. If and Danny's let's be around. honest, if a weight, if you're about to really fail on a weight, I'm not going to be able to save you. You know, if you're benching almost 300 pounds and you start to fail, I'm not going to be able to lift it off of you. Well, when I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't be no. benching anything to the point where getting 20 pounds of assistance from you at the max. If if I if I need more assistance than than that from a spotter, then I'm doing something wrong. Right. And I think that's really, really important to note is that you should never be in a position where the spotter is literally going to need to take the weight away from you because you're going to fail that intensely. You know, when I'm spotting Giacomo when he's squatting, I've had people, I've heard people behind me <laughs> saying things, well, what is she going to do? Because they're assuming that I'm there to what? Catch a 400 pound barbell off your back? No, 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 not at all. It's when you start to struggle and once you've trained with somebody for long enough you know when they're struggling and going to be able to push through That's and you right know there. when you they're know struggling and they're going to need your help so if he's struggling and i think he's going to need a little bit of help i'm standing behind him i'm just going to give him as little assistance as he needs to stand back up for example, with a squat. And that's going to be, what, maybe 50 pounds of assistance to help him get back up? Not a chance. You know, it's not like I'm even dealing with half of the weight 90% of the time. Very, It's very, very rare that, you know, someone's going to fail completely in a dangerous way, particularly if you've been training with them for a long time. You just get a feel for the way the other one trains. 
And no matter how good a spotter is, if they don't know you, if they haven't been working with you, they don't know when you might fail. They don't know how much you can handle without them. And yeah, they could be good to prevent you from hurting yourself, but they could also wind up stealing your you. gains. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, likewise with Giacomo, you know, he does the same thing for me. Obviously, it makes more sense for Giacomo to spot me than for me to spot him because he obviously he could literally curl the squat weight, squat weight off my back if he had to. But <laughs> luckily, that doesn't happen very often. So and it's it's just really, really it's great to have that sort of trust in somebody else. I mean, I could ask anybody to spot me at the gym, any pretty much any guy at the gym to spot me and they would be able to safely spot me. But I just don't you know, a lot of guys are going to help me before I need it because they're going to think that I'm like a little female who is going to get crushed by the bar when I'm benching. And that is that may not be the case. I may just need like a tap on the bar to help me get it up at some point. You know, just the trust that is developed, I think, when you become a regular spotter to somebody and vice versa it's really really cool it's almost like this non-verbal communication that you have you know Giacomo and I can just look at each other across the gym and know when the other one is going to need to spot or vice versa just by like what exercise they're doing Um, which brings me to my next point we do not always train side by side in the gym we don't do the same workouts yeah we you know we have different goals and we're at different levels with our own individual goals but we're still kind of connected at the gym because even though we're working on opposite ends of the gym sometimes yeah yeah um sometimes more often than not we still have that connection you know where we know when the other person needs help Mm -hmm. and it's just by it's not like it's not like we're psychically connected or anything you just can look around the gym and see somebody and immediately know if they need you or if they're cool well, we also discuss our workouts with each other before we get started. Yeah, too. I mean, if you if you watch the day in the life video, you know that we literally go into the gym, sit down on the bench, take our pre-workouts and talk to each other about the workout that we're about to do. And then we sort of split up and go our separate ways. And we let that other person know at the beginning, like, I'm probably going to need you for a spot on squats or I'm probably going to need you for a spot on shoulder press. Or I'm working on my form. Can you film this? And can you also give me your critique? Right, which is another huge thing. Yesterday, we actually both happened to be doing squats. And we ended up taking quite a bit of extra time helping each other improve our squat form. Because, you know, squat form is one of those things that can always be improved. You know, even when you think you've got it perfectly, there's probably something that you could do a little bit better. And squat is actually one of my weakest lifts, I'm pretty embarrassed to say. Uh, It's come a long, long way since I started doing them regularly, but uh, they still don't feel quite comfortable to me. Um, You know, the form feels fine, but they're just always difficult for me. You know, you feel like they should be getting easier and they're never getting easier for me. I've seen your squat technique improve tremendously over the years, actually, whether you can see it or not. You've come a long way. And yes, it's going to be a constant challenge and struggle when you want to continue to improve. Well, let me put it this way. When I go into the gym and it's deadlift day, I'm excited. When I go into the gym and it's bench day, I'm excited. When I go into the gym and it's squat day, I'm scared. Every friggin' time, I'm scared. (laughs) I'm sure it makes you feel better when you have someone behind you to spot you then. Very much so. Sometimes even if I don't need a spot and I know I'm not going to need a spot, I still like to have him there just in case. 
you know, even if he's just standing there. But he'll, you know, give me cues, drive your knees out, brace your core better at the top, blah, blah, blah. Because Giacomo's squat form is, like, impeccable. It's like he just naturally has the ability to squat perfectly. High bar squats, ass to grass, bar path is, like, immaculately straight up and down. There is nothing wrong with his squats at all. But you take my bench press, and I have to constantly work on figuring out how to get my form down. It doesn't come naturally to me for whatever reason, whether it was my injury or whether in general, even before that. And even deadlifts. I mean, I remember working on my form for a little over a year, actually, until I was able to dial it in just right, thanks to you. Oh, yeah, your deadlifts were really rough back when we started doing this. And I didn't deadlift at that time, but I still knew how to deadlift, so... Yep, your deadlifts were pretty good. And I got to say, I feel like you're a natural at benching. I look at your form. Aw, no, <laughs> that's really, funny. <laughs> kind of makes me a little jealous because I'm like, I don't know. I f- like bench <laughs> is such a, do- a bro exercise. And I'm just sitting there trying to figure it out. And you're just repping it out with picture perfect form. I'm like, oh, oh, good for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Can you teach this, bro? And that's how I feel about squats, basically. So, you know, these different strengths and weaknesses, you want to find somebody to train with that has different strengths and weaknesses than you. You can help them with your strengths and they can help you with theirs. And it doesn't matter if it's like a regular, you know, we train together every single day. You don't have to train with somebody every single day for them to be like good gym partner. Some people, I know some gym partners who just meet up for leg day or just meet up for bench day mm-hmm. and they help each other there. So, you know, I personally, I love training with a partner. The only downside to training with a partner is that, you know, if you're talking to each other, other people in the gym kind of take that as an invitation to also come up and socialize with you. And that can sort of, you know, they may think you're just shooting the shit talking about the weather and you're really talking about your workout. And then they come over and they jump in talking about the Pats game last night. And, you know, that can slow you down a little bit. That's true. I never thought about that. Maybe that's why people come say hello to us while we're chatting in between sets. Oh, I'm sure. But I mostly keep my head down. So, you know, that's some of the benefits of, of training together with somebody so different and then basically we come home from the gym we eat together so we eat together but we don't eat the same thing almost ever we almost always prepare our own meals and sit down and eat together and then we come downstairs and to our office in the warehouse and we work together pretty much from three o'clock in the afternoon until midnight or so every single night and that is really really interesting also anybody who knows Giacomo and I knows that we are complete and total opposites in almost every way polar opposites how so Giacomo well gee I don't know for one I'm extroverted you're introverted I think that's probably the biggest one oh no there's so many ways that we're different (laughs) such as um our organizational skills and preferences are super, super different. You like paper, I like computer. We have very different... The way we view things are different, Giacomo. I'm optimistic, you're a realist. Well, geez, that makes me sound like... You just literally made me sound like <laughs> Wednesday Adams or something like I didn't that. I would say that. Which wouldn't be that far off, actually. Um, but, you know, Giacomo f- likes to focus on the details, whereas I'm like a big picture kind of a person. True. And if we're being completely honest, this... That is probably the most difficult thing that we have had to overcome in our relationship, period. 
has been learning how to work together because we are so, so different. And it it definitely was and has been a struggle. And it's we still do have our times where we have to take a step back and figure out how to work with each other on projects or life in general because Danny will take a look at a situation and I will at the same time that we need to do some problem solving for. And she'll see all of the big picture elements and decide like, okay, let's plan an attack. And I'll be like, attack, let's do this and that and this and that and that and this and this all at once. And it'll just all get done. And Danny's like, no, no, you're just sitting there in your hamster wheel causing more problems. And God, if we could just do this together. And I'm like, but but we can only do it together if, if we're, you know, tackling head on, doing, doing, doing. It just doesn't work like that. It, that's just not... You know, it became a, a challenge to figure out how to do things together. Yeah, so I've ended up, you know, I lay out a lot of the plans for us. Like a lot of the plans for, you know, vegan proteins and what supplement lines we're going to carry and how we're going to be able to get them in our shop and who, what sort of a market I think is going to be interested in them and coaching and the rate at which we should take people on for coaching and lo- I am the five-year plan gal, and I lay everything out in advance. But truthfully, if left to my own devices, I don't necessarily know if any of it would happen because I can write plans out for everything forever. It's kind of why I really like coaching is because it's literally just me making plans for people over and over and over and over again and then going back and checking at the plans and looking at progress and updating the plans and talking to people about the plans. And I'm a planner, clearly, whereas... You know, Giacomo is a doer. (laughs) He gets shit done. So if I have a plan that has like 20 different steps to get something done, I will just give it to him and say, these need to be done in this order in order for this to be successful. And he just checks them off. And then, boom, success. So I'm kind of the type of person who lives in my head a lot and I can dream up anything. I can dream up the wildest goals and craziest things and... You know, I know what it would take for it to happen, but I'm just like, oh, that's impossible. That's just too much. That's too much work. That's just never going to happen. But Jockman was like, oh, cool idea. And he goes out and just starts banging out what needs to get done for it to happen. So it's just very, very interesting of a give and take and a push and pull. And it's pretty much constant. No, seriously. Once we figured out how to work side by side and take these character traits that are so vastly different and combine them i i think i even remember when this started to click you and i when we started to be like wait a minute are we actually working together right now (laughs) and not butting heads and i think we both kind of figured out that we were and it was at that moment in time we realized the potential and just how much we could get accomplished yeah It's been a real wild ride, and I'm sure that it's not even close to being over. And I don't even want to say that we're, like, super set in a system right now because Mm -hmm. we're constantly changing our systems and constantly updating the way we do things together to become more efficient and accomplish more. So that is, you know, a a never-ending search for the most efficient and effective way to do things. But, you know, we've come a really, really long way. And this is all to say that you really have to value the differences in one another. Uh, 
you know, we live in a time where it's so easy to surround yourself with people who are just like you. You know, you can choose who shows up in various feeds sure. and what you subscribe to and your Netflix po- Netflix populates for you based on the stuff that you've already watched, yada, 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 that we kind of view differences and different styles and different personalities as... Conflict. Uh, yeah, as Almost. conflict as like, I don't want to deal with that. And I guess, <laughs> you know, to some degree, I can understand that. There are certain political types of people that I'm just not going to talk about politics with because I don't feel like getting into an argument. But when it comes to different personality and character strengths and weaknesses, um, there is so much that can be accomplished when they overlap properly. Oh, yeah. And relationships are one of those things that I've learned that going through the path of least resistance is not necessarily your best option. Sure, it's like Danny said, it's nice to be able to hang out with a bunch of people who think and act and feel and enjoy in the same way that you do. But there's something special about about engaging with others and learning what lights people up, what interests others, what, how, when others are going to disagree with you, when they're going to agree with you, and to use your strengths and weaknesses to produce some really cool shit. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, your household or a business or a family or what a, a freaking garden. I don't care. You know, I think it's really, really important to find people that you can work synergistically with. And I think that when you find somebody who's really different from you and you're able to do that, that's really, really rad. And even if you can't work synergistically with somebody, even more so the reason to try to, because that's the type of person that once you're able to figure it out with, that some really, truly awesome things are possible. Moving on to our product review of the week. This week we are reviewing a book called Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business by Katrina Fox. And this is a book that we were actually asked to be featured in, which was really, really cool. But we weren't 100% sure what it was going to be until it actually started to come together and eventually came out. And it is a book that 60 different vegan business owners and entrepreneurs and various kinds of professionals contributed to to talk about what it is like to own and run a vegan business. In the book, they talk about why somebody would want to start a vegan business, whether or not you would want to use the word vegan in your business or your branding or your marketing or anything like that, and why or why not. Obviously, we chose to use the word vegan because we're super proud of that. Um, It talks about sort of the mindset that you have to be in to run a business, which, you know, Giacomo and I can both attest to. It's like you need to be on 24 hours a day. You never punch in. You never punch out. You wake up answering emails. You go to sleep answering emails. You don't get any real breaks because any break you have, you're just thinking about work and developing your business. And it takes a really, really special kind of of mindset to figure out how to do this successfully and also authentically. Like, you know, you don't want to be that sort of business that is just out there to make a buck and for no other reason. And I think that's sort of the really cool thing about most vegan businesses is there is 
another motive besides just making money. You know, it's to serve a purpose in the community. It's to promote a message of compassion. So, you know, uh, from a vegan perspective, dealing with entrepreneurship, it's very, very different than just, you know, building a business to build a business. You know, it talks a little bit more about like what we talked about today, having relationships in business and starting businesses with people branding, marketing as a vegan, social media, marketing, and, you know, that's pretty much taken over marketing in the past couple of years in general. Like, social media is everything as business these days, and the internet is everything as a business these days. So it talks quite a bit about that, various types of PR. And some of the people who contributed to this book were, like, the founders of Tofurky and Candle Cafe, and Dr. Cow, which is those, those new cheeses that I haven't even had a chance to try them yet, but I heard that they're incredible. Zet Shoes, obviously us. <laughs> uh, Eco Vegan Gal, who's another great one, and she's got a lot of great, great um, tips for entrepreneurs and vegan business people. So I know that, you know, the vegan business is booming right now, and a lot of people are you know, people who have been longtime vegans at this point, they're getting more into these ideas of starting businesses that revolve around their lifestyle and their ethics and help to promote that lifestyle to other people as well. So if that's something that has ever interested you in any way, I totally recommend checking out this book. It's a really, really good read and there's nothing else out there like it. You know, you can buy a business book anywhere and you can buy a vegan cookbook anywhere. But there's nowhere where you get both of these sort of sides together as one. So it's called Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business by Katrina Fox. And we will try to put a link on the uh, show notes for this. Moving on to our question and answer segment for today's podcast. First question is from Facebook. And it's about Protein Scoops. Protein Scoop has a line on the scoop about halfway up the scoop. Is this from manufacturing or the measurement line for one scoop? Or is one scoop all the way to the top? This seems silly, but I've been wondering for six months. And now that I'm measuring stuff, it seems important. (laughs) So what this person's referring to is when you get the scoop out of the tub of protein or whatever, there's usually a line about halfway up the plastic and that is actually just a seam from manufacturing like in the plastic mold I assume one scoop is all the way to the top of the scoop and that is usually about 30 grams or so if you have to get really accurate I suggest actually weighing your protein powder particularly if you're in contest prep because one scoop is going to change a lot in weight depending on you know is it the fluffy powder at the top did you have to dig for the protein at the bottom that's going to be a lot heavier um but in general you know if you don't have to be that precise a scoop is all the way to the top that fluffy powder (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's a good question actually and measure measuring cups quite more often than not do tend to have different levels yeah it's not a question i would have thought of but i can understand how it'd be really confusing if you didn't know yep all right, our next question is from Facebook. It says, what do you do when you're sick? Skip the gym or push through? I've been fighting a head chest cold for a few days now, and I'm on my third unplanned rest day in a row and feeling guilty about missing the gym. 
Am I being smart or being a baby? Usually I would work out regardless of how I felt, but I'm trying to be kind to my body. Thoughts? Well, that's going to vary depending on how sick someone is and ultimately you're, you're going to know. Let's put it this way. If you feel like you're bedridden and you can, and it's hard for you to even get up and get going and you're feeling like that for half the day or more, I would say it's best to honor that and you're being smart. I mean, there's really no reason why you should be in the gym with a fever and you know, bronchitis or something like that, for example. Plus, whatever you have is most likely contagious, and you don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to be spreading your germs. Yeah. So a pretty simple rule of thumb that I remember and tell people is if you are, if the symptoms of your sickness are above the neck only, you're probably okay to work out. So if you have a headache or a stuffy nose or a sore throat, you can probably still work out. You maybe don't want to go to 100% intensity of what you usually do, but you can probably still go to the gym and you'll be fine. Be sure to wash your hands and use hand sanitizer diligently because you don't want to pass that on to anybody else, even if it is just a cold. If your symptoms are below the neck, then skip the gym rest drink a lot of water and rest and by below the neck i mean do you have body aches do you have chills nausea vomiting diarrhea or a fever if you have any of those symptoms don't there's no need to work out there's that's not going to benefit you in any way at no, all if anything it's going to take longer to heal because your body's too busy being broken down and how's it supposed to focus right i figured on... that was a good question we're coming into like flu season and pretty much everybody i know in the world is kind of sick right now well, I I, I got it. really I got pretty sick like a week ago, which is just another reason why this podcast is two weeks late. <laughs> Here it is. All right, this is on Facebook as well. How do people incorporate alcoholic beverages into their macros? I like to enjoy an occasional beverage, and was wondering what other people do. So this is a really good question, and a question that I kind of get a fair amount during coaching. So first of all, I don't recommend drinking. <laughs> I, you know, I one glass of red wine a day or whatever. I believe in moderation. So if that's something that you really want to do, that's fine. But I, I never recommend drinking because it inhibits fat loss and it inhibits muscle growth immensely. So that's my little aside there. However, if it's a special occasion and you want to have a drink and you're trying to stay on top of your macros, what I would do is first look up what the drink is um, in my fitness pal or something similar because they're all a little bit different. Uh, you know, beer, you know, a 12 ounce beer, so like a bottle of beer can range anywhere from like 70 calories in a Mick Ultra or something up to, you know, 250 calories for, uh, you know, a heavier beer. And you're going to have to forgive me if some of the names I'm saying are not vegan. I don't drink, so I'm not familiar with what drinks are and aren't vegan. But I know that a lot of beer is not vegan because it has isn't glass in it. So check that out. There's, um, what's the name of that app? Barnivore. If you're curious to know what beer is vegan, download the Barnivore app and it'll tell you. Um, So beer can range from, you know, wildly in calories. Wine can range quite a bit too. So, you know, a four ounce glass of wine is anywhere from 90 calories to 150 calories, depending on how sweet it is. And then spirits are mostly about the same, actually. So like rum, vodka, whiskey, they're all about the same, but generally they're mixed with something. Is it mixed with diet soda? Is it mixed with cranberry juice? That's going to make a huge difference in the calories there. 
So what I would do is I would look up the calories in the drink. And if it is just a straight alcohol like beer or wine or a hard liquor, I would take the number of calories and divide it by seven. Every gram of alcohol has seven calories. So if you're familiar with macros, you know that carbs and protein each have four calories per gram. Fat has nine calories per gram. Alcohol has seven calories per gram. So I would divide it by seven. And obviously, since we don't usually have alcohol macros, uh, (laughs) I would take the number of grams. So let's say that it's a small glass of wine or it's a shot of rum. Let's say it's a shot of vodka and it has 70 calories. So that comes out to be 10 grams of alcohol. I would either take that and count it towards, I would probably take that and count it towards my carbs personally. Um, Some people do count it towards their fat goals, but I, it's closer in structure to a carbohydrate. So I would count it towards carbs personally. That was a really, really long way of saying alcohol has seven calories per gram, count it towards your carbs. Right. And you know, it's, if you're someone who drinks very infrequently, I don't really think you need to overstress any of this yeah. anyhow. You know what I mean? If you're having one drink every three or four months, you want to count half of it as fat and half of it as carbs, for yeah. example, and just take a guesstimate on the calories based on something it looks like in MyFitnessPal. Don't stress over that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. If you do look up certain drinks in MyFitnessPal, it'll give you the calories, but it will say zero carbs, zero fat, zero protein. Hmm. Because it's alcohol, so we don't account for alcohol generally in nutrition labels. So wait, so you're telling me that you don't give your clients alcohol macros? <laughs> okay, don't. Um, yeah, I'm a terrible <laughs> person. I don't know what to say. Just pushing my beliefs on everybody. <laughs> oh goodness, I'm not. Stra- I'm not like identified as straight edge. I just happen to not drink. Um, but obviously, I was a bartender for a really long time, so I know quite a bit about drinking and alcohol and the stuff like that. So that's my suggestion. Avoid drinking when you can. If you have to go out and you feel like you have to drink because of whatever social situation and you want to pick the best quote, quote unquote, best choice, meaning without the empty calories of a mixer or what have you, white wine spritzer is a great way to go. Um, That is literally a white wine, half white wine, half soda water in a glass with ice. So it's a little bit bubbly. Um, splash a crayon in there makes it pretty good too. And another thing you can do is order uh, liquor and diet. So it doesn't, you know, whatever you like, whether it's whiskey or vodka or rum or whatever. So let's say you want a rum and diet. So you would order a rum and diet tall. And what that means is it's extra mixer and less alcohol in the glass itself so that means it's going to take you longer to drink so you're not just going to be throwing back drink after drink after drink so and always I suggest having a glass of water in between every drink because it's really dehydrating and if you're thirsty you're just going to drink faster so it's really easy for one drink to turn into a lot of drinks so that's my my little alcohol rant sorry guys I went off went off on a little tangent All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. In the future, please stay in touch with us at Vegan Proteins on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And let us know in the comments section if you have any questions. We'll be happy to answer them in the next episode. Once again, my name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And we'll see you next time.